0: welcome to whole human this is a podcast where ordinary people share their life story opening up a hidden world of struggle courage and grace everyone is more than what they seem hello welcome to the podcast today i'm sitting down with joe lunston He's a Catholic therapist at Novare. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Isaac. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to good have good. you. Um, so I'm really excited to hear more of your story. I've heard some of it, and it sounds like there's a lot there. So I'm just going to jump right in. Yeah. What was your life like growing up?
1: Ooh, the big question. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
0: it's funny people always struggle with this question even though i tell them i'm going to start with it every time i know we just (laughs) talked about
1: it no it's um yeah what was my life like growing up i mean it it was a lot of things it was um it was that there's complexity to it both good and bad i think you know if we want to throw in some like um sort of mental health jargon right away I I would say like there was there was a lot of trauma in my history but um thankfully I think there were a lot of I guess what you'd call like protective factors that offered a lot of resiliency uh, but all the risk factors too so it was kind of like this mix where um man there was just a lot going on but there was a lot of good there that way I would say is like what you would see as like a scaffolding, you know? Um, so yeah, so life growing up, I mean, it's, it's kind of spotty at points, honestly. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, I don't even know what would be like my first memory. Um, it, it, it probably not even worth trying to figure out, but I would say early life, was pretty tough from what i remember um for a lot of different reasons but again there was also good i feel like i feel like my life sort of is kind of like a jagged mountain (laughs) top you know like (laughs) there's a lot of good and then there's points where it's like dip big dip a lot of good you know and that's probably normal in most people's lives but um but especially like just in family life, I would say. So like earliest you know, memory, I don't even know, you know, like maybe three or four. Um, and I think my my dad left when I was maybe three. Um, and so I don't, you know, I just like spotty memories of my dad. Um, I, yeah, just very spotty memories of like, playing with him or or different memories about. um, Yeah, maybe just with family time. Um, And then memories just that weren't so nice. Um, But I remember, yeah, so I don't really remember. But from what I'm told, I think he left around three. And so. life prior or after that post that again it's hard to know but i i think you know because of things like that like when you're young especially like that you know like you know as well like i think it affects your memory so i don't i don't really have like clear memories when i was yeah. really really young and so but i know for sure um through what i remember and experience and then just through what i've told i think I don't know when it started, but for a while, I think, like, I was pretty impacted by separation anxiety for a long time. Um, So I remember, like, yeah, I remember just, like, whether it was, like, going to the babysitter or, or going to school, just, like, so much, just, like, my poor, poor mom, like, my poor mom's just, like, I need to go to work, you know, and I'm just, like, trapped in the car. Or I'm in school and just like terrified. Yeah, I, I remember just like like vomiting was a, a huge part of it. So I was just like, you know, like so that was another thing. It was just like again, my poor mom, just just this poor little kid who doesn't want to go to school I, or couldn't even like. Sometimes I I didn't even like go to friends' houses. Like I was just mortified. You yeah, know, babysitter. So just I remember I I don't know how long it lasted, um, and. It, it just feels like the the height of it was the vomiting portions were like the most i remember but yeah. it could have it could have lasted long you know what i mean i think from what they told me like there was only certain family members that i you know would allow them to hold me or, or different things um that i think that was a big a big part of my life and i say that and i don't really know how long lasted but it, like i would say that was like the earliest experience both like divorce and then um, I guess like the domestic abuse that happened in the home that I remember seeing and being a part of, and um, and then just yeah that that experience of like separation anxiety, and yeah. that intensity. So that was, that was probably like the earliest mental health experience that I remember having. Um, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Um. But well, again, well, yeah. Go ahead. What was
0: your family like? So after after your dad left, what? What was your family like?
1: When my dad is there, again, from what I remember, um, I mean, my my older brother was present and, and we had different fathers. So um, I was always with my brother and my mom and my dad was there. And I remember too, I had another um, half brother named Matthew and I remember seeing him yeah, he either came over a lot or, you know, like, I think for a little bit, when my parents divorced, I think I was going to see my dad, and I think I would see my brother Matthew there, but when my dad left, yeah, it was just kind of my mom and my brother. The good thing is, like, and this is part of, like, um, I guess what you'd call, like, the protective factors is my grandparents were in town, in the same town we were, so so they were around, and um and and they were awesome my mom of course did the best she could as a as a single mom and just doing that whole really difficult thing and yeah um but my grandparents were always like taking care of us you know like my grandma and my grandpa so good to us and and so like my grandpa definitely sort of filled in as a father figure and just like loved on us a lot and um took us to do things was was always there was always a was a help for my mom same with my grandma you know they were always just around present supportive um and very faithful very faithful too yeah so you know when we start to get into the faith aspect like that's a that's a crucial part yeah i mean it was like that for a while then um after my dad left because i think i think i don't remember when but at a certain point Um, I think I just had told my mom that I didn't really want to see my dad and I'm not sure why so then yeah I'd say like from maybe like three till about I don't even know maybe like trying to remember when my mom would have met my stepdad third or fourth grade maybe so from three till about third or fourth grade it was just me my brother and my mom and then my grandparents i also my mom had a has a sister and so um my aunt and her husband were also a big part of our lives too um they lived in the milwaukee area so we didn't how much see... how much older was your older brother yeah he's five years older than me okay so pretty big difference yeah pretty big difference but we thankfully we were really close Awesome. Um, yeah because his dad wasn't around either um and he had actually never met his dad so yeah it was just kind of us you know and um yeah i think when we had gotten older like you know when he hit the teens you know you're you're wanting less to hang out with your five year younger brother yeah uh, and i desperately wanted to hang out with him. <laughs> but i would say we were pretty close i remember being very close when we were younger and doing a lot of stuff together but we were very different too you know like i think very different people and i was i don't know from what i remembered, i was just i was probably just more crazy and Hmm. more rebellious and defiant and he was like he was like the good old boy the first child you know and i'm sure that came along came um with a lot of pressure i don't know i don't know i'd have to ask him you know yeah, actually, never really. I've been been wanting to have a a deep conversation with them about just life and our yeah. experiences because we haven't really ever sat down and talked about it. To be honest, at least for me, like you can go a whole life and like never really sort of like ask your siblings like, "What was life like for you?" You know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's just, I, it's the same in a lot of ways, but I'm you know, it's so yeah. different. It's it's a yeah. it's another person's experience, right? Yeah. And so
0: yeah yeah that's a big thing i'm finding with this podcast in general is that it's so rare for us to ask each other about our lives <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> like you sure. can know somebody
0: really <laughs> well and then ask them about what life was like growing up and you know, didn't know any of it
1: where where did you grow up yeah so watertown wisconsin yeah they're they my whole life until i moved away for college so that's uh for all the live viewers, you know that's right in between Madison and Milwaukee, and Wisconsin. <laughs> um, just kind of like—it's hard to describe. It's it's right on a river, so it's actually pretty beautiful. I mean, I wanted to get the the heck out of there for a long time, but it's actually yeah, really really beautiful. Right on a river, um, and the town's actually split by the river, so there's like a you know there's there's kind of like two parts to the town it's in, it's in separate counties um wow. and it's it's pretty big it's like 25,000 people right now and um yeah it's it's kind of like um semi rural i guess i would say okay surrounded by a lot of farmland pretty flat overall but um, and how, how did that location shape you growing up Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I, there's a beautiful park. I think some of the, the best memories I have, I mean, when I was older, I hated, you know, it's like, it's one of those places where you feel like there's nothing to do, but there's actually a lot to do. Um, Yeah. I just sucked at finding things to do that weren't destructive. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I think like, in the beginning, like so, my grandparents um, and they lived in a duplex, and we lived with them on the other side for a few years, on and off. Um, but that was right by um, a really big park called Riverside Park, um, right along the river. It's super beautiful. It's like willow trees everywhere right along the river, and and just a big, beautiful park, giant. Giant, like you know, like that it it, has got one of those like giant wooden playgrounds, you know, like that kind of all look the same. They kind of look like (laughs) castles, you know. Um so it's got one of those big playgrounds. It's got was it it one of those pre safety playgrounds? Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, where you could just like jump from any height and (laughs) and like like netting that like kids could just get like caught on and fall (laughs) to their deaths, you know, but um it was beautiful, yeah. Like sharp edges, and it, it was just, it was incredible. Um, and it was super big. Like they they spent a lot of money. Like it was, but it was used, like, and it's still used today. And and so like, but then they had like uh, baseball diamonds, and and uh, there was always this thing called river Riverfest there, right, right on the grounds. So they had this big pavilion and bands, and um, they would have rides, you know. So like. And so, right by Riverside Park, though, was like uh, the outdoor pool, and we had like an awesome pool, and it's still there. I don't know if you've seen it. Decent, decent-sized pool, like kid swimming area, yeah. like lap area. We had two water slides in it, nice. and a diving board, and and so my short story long, my grandma, my grandparents lived really close to this park. So I remembered, yeah, just like summer times, just being super, super close, being able to walk down. Like, feel like I went to the pool like every day. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I could just run around the park, 4th of July, river fest time, fireworks. Um, Yeah, so like how that shaped me, I don't know. Like, I think, again, that's part of that idea of like having a lot of protective factors. Yeah. Um, And it was good, yeah, I just remember you know, I think, like, like, willow trees are still some, I think, my favorite trees, like, just very beautiful and um, very peaceful and fun and, and, and like, sort of, like, typical Americana type stuff, you know, like, um, and it was good, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I it would be interesting to know, like, when that shift occurred, where I, I thought it was, like, the worst place on it, you know. <laughs> Cause there's yeah. that part of it too. There's that part of it too. But um, yeah, just thinking back to that, those memories, like all good, it's just wholesome and um, a lot of goodness, a lot, a lot of beauty, um, a lot of time with friends, and just being in a beautiful, fun spot. Honestly, yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's really fascinating how much just a location. Can have importance. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. like hearing you describe that, that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, Um, so good.
0: But then probably hearing your high school self describe it, it could sound terrible, right? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It it carries so much weight still. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how did things? How did things start shifting when uh, your stepdad entered the picture?
1: Yeah, so that's where we we get another massive dip. Um, Yeah, because I feel like like after my dad left the things were pretty good again you know like i had my struggles of like you know like i don't know kids are just weird and awkward but they also just want to know you know so like it's kind of like oh like where's your dad and all this stuff and um so that was always awkward and really hard and sad um but i don't remember like and I, there were probably were times, but I don't remember sort of like being stuck up on like I want a dad or like where's my dad. But honestly, I I don't remember that much. Like I, yeah. I feel like we were pretty content and things were good, but that would come up, you know. And um, you know, being like the only Guatemalan kid at a you know like a German Lutheran school, that always has its challenges. Not that I'm hating on anybody. Or <laughs> you know these kids are just kids and so they want to know and they want to understand and they can be mean without trying to be um so those challenges there but again mostly good um but yeah so i want to say i don't even remember i don't know it feels like it could have been anywhere from like first to fourth grade i think it was the third or fourth grade is when um yeah my mom i think started dating my seem to be stepdad. Um, I honestly don't remember like meeting him that much when they were dating. Um, and again, the memory thing, you know, like, who knows? But yeah. So it started out good. I think, you know, like it filled the hole that I definitely had. Um, I definitely loved him. You know, and as a kid, you sort of they're so good and terrible. That's why we gotta like, you know, watch over them and keep them safe. But just so good at sort of opening their heart to people and, and, and connecting and really like attaching to people. um, And just kind of, I, I think like, you know, again, there's like the, the dangerous side of that, but I think, I don't know, there's something beautiful about kids really just kind of seeing the good in people. Yeah. You know, even if it's, even if it's like minuscule, or maybe even if they're making it up, you know, but they're so yeah. good at like seeing the good in somebody and and attaching to that and like loving that you know and, and feeling secure and safe in that and so yeah i think again i don't remember meeting him all that much but um yeah they got married and then we sort of moved to a different house in town um and it was i think it was good at first um but he he had a really tumultuous life like born in texas like sort of mexican-american family um i think yeah just a lot of from what i remember him talking about or just my mom talking about just a lot of trauma and and um a lot of his own abuse in a lot of ways and um yeah so i think like maybe a year in is when he started like kind of going down the deep end with with like different substances. So I think he was always, he always kind of struggled with alcohol use, maybe even prior to them getting married. Um, But uh, yeah, it was just kind of came out in the open and was kind of just more like a part of the family life, you know, like explicitly. What way do you mean
0: part of the family life?
1: Like, just like in an explicit way, like, you know, like where it can be hidden and you don't really know as a kid. Um, But it became more of like, hes I don't know if he was like, like, you know, he was binging, but you know, like he was clearly drunk and getting violent or like, you know, he'd be gone for a few days or, or he'd be, he'd be in jail, you know, like, um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of like a tumultuous time. there. Um, I think if, I, if I'm trying to remember it right, um, yeah, we moved to one house, awesome house. I don't know how we afforded this house. It was like this <laughs> massive house in Wiredtown. This like old farmhouse that a friend, um, a good friend of my mom's, their family used to live there. Um, and it used to have like a pool um, and it was like this big house and I swear it was haunted. There's a lot of good memories there, like a, some terrible memories, but a lot, a lot of good memories too. I think, yeah, I'm trying to just remember like where we were. I think we started there and uh, I think it really sort of came to light um, there because he got into a car accident. So I think... I'm pretty sure he was drinking and, like, fell asleep. He was coming back from work. He worked late. Um, and so was in a pretty terrible car accident, I think. But then, like, as he recovered, you know, he was, I think he was at home. He was able to recover. But then it was kind of like, well, he's got to go to jail now, you know. So there was that. So, like, wait, what? Um, and I think so went to jail. And then I think we moved. I don't remember when we moved, but we moved to the place where, like, I spent most of my time in Watertown, Um and I think when we moved there, I don't really know what changed, but that's when everything sort of started, I guess you could say like deteriorating, like more alcohol use, um different substances from what I learned later. Um but yeah, just a lot of chaos and not a great marriage, not great family life. Um yeah just a lot of abuse towards my mom never towards us sadly he and my brother didn't get along at all so i think it was really tough for my brother um yeah he was just not having a great time with it um but he he had kids that he brought in so we had stepbrothers and sisters at the time um and so we would see them every once in a while that was that was good again like i think kids attached to each other pretty well i think we got along well you know i guess it doesn't always happen um but i think we got along well they were younger than us so that probably helped um but yeah and, and we were close to his family i would say like cousins that i i still think about still love still kind of see every once in a while um but yeah there was a lot of chaos just in the family too i think it was their family was just sort of kind of a broken family so you know how it goes it yeah. just can can kind of be like historical in that way where it's just yeah man generational stuff is real and yeah. so so yeah so i i don't know how long they were married um the first time but maybe like a year and a half two years maybe so then he left um they got divorced and Yeah, I mean, it was like that. Again, so just back to kind of the classic, I think maybe that was like eighth grade, maybe when they got divorced. So I don't know, the timeline's a little wonky, then maybe it wasn't fourth grade when they got married. But I don't know, maybe maybe they were longer married than just a year and a half. It could have been longer, but um, yeah, anywhere from like one to four years timeline's getting a little shaky but so yeah so that was another dip you know and um then i would say we we sort of came back up but um yeah i would say main uh, another major dip and then like then high school starts you know and that's it's it's its own total just racket you know okay i want to get into the high school
0: stuff but first yeah you you mentioned that you were crazier, more rebellious
1: and defiant. Mm-hmm. How, how did that come out? Um, a lot of it's from what I'm told, I guess. Like, I, I guess maybe like defiant and rebellious maybe isn't the best way to categorize it because I wasn't like, it wasn't kind of like whatever, I'm not listening to you, mom, like, you know, like classic sort of defiance that you would take up. Um, just more like high energy um sort of kind of always getting into things um maybe probably always causing trouble annoying my brother usually starting fights I mean he was kind of like secretly I think he was an instigator but um Hmm. more just kind of like always getting into things high energy yeah I, I think a lot from people like outside our family unit who would sort of recognize it like I just remember like i think frustrating a lot of people because i was just like a high energy and getting into things and asking questions and, which is probably not you know like high energy i don't think is what people would categorize me as now <laughs> you know so it's interesting but i i do remember it yeah and i and i i even remember like the shift i feel like post eighth grade like and i don't know what it was but um it could have been a lot of things but i feel like through grade school i was pretty like pretty high energy like definitely defined in grade school just was not made for like sitting at a desk right now especially like with my experiences you know like yeah for a kid who's just been in a tumultuous home like sitting in a desk for eight hours is just not the answer um a lot of roadblocks there a lot of just like butting heads and but I feel like, I don't know what it was like eighth grade. I feel like I entered high school and then I was just like this, Oh, I guess I'm really chill now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and not just not necessarily in a good way. Just, I don't know. It was like, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I mean. I, I wasn't sort of like, you know, like throwing things and violently defiant or like, yeah. Telling my mom off or anything like that. Like, definitely very um you know my mom was like pretty hardcore as a single mom you know she was like she was tough, man. like i was terrified of her so i wasn't <laughs> about to be like screw you mom you know like that would have been like a full week like in my room seeing nobody you know like <laughs> the, with the soap and the wooden spoon like that would have that would have not flown so <laughs> i wasn't defiant like that just kind of like high energy yeah, but certainly defiant like in school with teachers um not because i was trying to be like you know i wasn't trying to be a sucky kid it was just i don't know the eight hours a day yeah wasn't, you couldn't handle it like you i couldn't handle, i, I it. couldn't yeah yeah, yeah. And, and even like even like school like i thought i was like dumb for the longest time you know like i just couldn't do school and i think it was just the fog brain. you know like it was just yeah. Like, I don't even have that many m- memories of school. Um, it just felt like, like, I think there was a lot of anxiety in school. Um, some of which, you know, like I said, where I like, I couldn't like physically go to school. It was like terrifying when I was younger, but just a lot of like anxiety that made things really, really cloudy. I feel yeah. like I, it was hard for me to learn, to really like grasp things and take things in and Yeah, just looking around at kids who were like could just do stuff you know like um i just thought like i couldn't my brain wasn't like built for it or something um which thankfully changed right like i sort of was able to heal and grow and and say like oh i actually like doing it and i can you know when when my brain isn't like clogged up with crap (laughs) You know, yeah. it's, it's got room to like breathe and function. Yeah, because now you're in a master's program, right? Well, not anymore. Not okay. anymore. I, <laughs> I, I decided to, to put a hole on it. I needed, yeah. Okay, Life was well, getting too crazy. Life was getting well, too crazy. One
0: master's degree is enough, I
1: guess. For now, for now. Yes. I would okay. like to continue to study, but uh, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there's a lot there. I don't know um where you kind of want to go with with that but oh I just want to keep moving into high school but I I wanted to just
0: note that just hearing about your life so far like I actually get a lot of this sense of really intense moments mixed in with a whole bunch of adventure Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like that that sense of like going to the park and swimming at the pool and exploring this big house and all this stuff where there's like this really intense difficult hard moments and then
1: mixed into
0: all sorts of adventure
1: yeah yeah no it's a great way to describe and even at that house I, I just as you said like exploring like it was weird it was like there is this um <clears throat> it's just this incredible property um like it's it's hard to describe like what what it was like but it was just like it's really big um and it the people that lived there ran i think they ran like a like a daycare so it had like this this outbuilding that looked like a sort of a big garage but it was like a daycare center so they had this whole thing that and i don't remember if we used it much or what was going on in there but then it had like this massive backyard and i remember it had actually this wooded portion and i think there was like a river through it and this was kind of like in the middle of town wow um and yeah, I remember just like exploring back there and exploring the house. Like the house was so old. It had like a dirt, like a dirt basement. And it had this like really creepy, like this back room of this back room. I don't know like <laughs> what it was, but it looked like it was like a burial pit, you know? And it's just like, um, and yeah, just exploring with my friends and trying to like creep my friends out and, and like going to explore this wooded area and doing different things. and yeah i'm just remembering now like i don't i think there the story was there was like there was like a hog factory nearby where they slaughtered hogs but every every once in a while like in the night you get like these creepy these creepy sounds from like the wooded area i'm not i'm not really convinced it was the hog factory because i don't even know if there is a hog factory (laughs) i don't think there is Um, but there's all these these creepy sounds. It probably was frogs or something, like really big frogs. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's a good, I've never thought of that. I mean, for sure, like I said, right, it was like a lot of super intense moments for extended periods, but there was a lot of good, you know, and, yeah. um, and so that definitely impacted my trajectory. Um, yeah. Because it could have been really different, you know, and, and we definitely yeah. see that where it's like, You know, if you don't have the good, if you don't have beauty and adventure mixed in with the chaos, you know.
0: Yeah, and even within the chaos, there's, like, I have that sense of, like, islands of stability, like your grandparents and your brother and,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure.
0: Okay, so what was high school like?
1: Yeah, what was high school like? (laughs) Man. (laughs) Um yeah it uh it was a lot of things. It was um it's kind of the same like a lot a lot of adventure, um not a lot of studies being done um, but a lot of um I would say chaos like well I don't know I, maybe chaos is the right word, but just not not really conducive to thrive let's see like freshman year i think i'm just trying to like think like how to even like go into high school maybe like if i if i had like a framework, it would be high focus on friendship um terrible like relationships um like dating relationships yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yep um Lots Terrible of it. subs lots of substance use. Like Terry, yeah. I, I can explain. I'm just kind of I'm kind of yeah. like getting the throwing out the framework just to like keep me on track. Um just like the points to hit would be like lots of lots of friend time, bad relationships. Um as far as yeah, like dating relationships. Um lots of substance use and Not much studies, (laughs) yeah. Um, you know, and so, um,
0: can I ask another question that maybe just adds more vagueness? But, yep, what would you say? Because, like, those are the things happening, and we've Mm -hmm. been talking a lot about the things happening. What would you say was like the state of your
1: heart during high school? I know that's a weird question, but that's a great question. That's a great question that's way more like a a question that hits home for me, you know, like, yeah, I'm more of like an intuitive type. So, you know, like a question like that is good. Yeah. I just restless, man. Like, and it's still, it's still kind of like that, but you know, like it's, it's hard to describe, um, just wanting something very intensely at a, like a deep, deep level but never being able to find what that is, you know, does that make sense? Like, did you know what you wanted? No, not at all. Not at all. Not in the slightest, but just, yeah. Wanting something just greatly, just this, this vast cavern, just seeing all the ways in which, like in all the ways in which that desire could be filled, you know only briefly because the things i sought after were not going to fulfill me yeah um but but all the ways like i was i was told should fill me and it was Mm -hmm. like a total lie you know like i I don't know like because the the modern school system is just like it's a sham you know and we don't have to go on this tangent but like i don't know it's just like Maybe it's the American public schools. I'm sure it's all public schools and just you know not in, in private schools as well. But there's just like this um cookie-cutter, earthly sort of like secularized way of like viewing like life, you know, like yeah. you gotta like check all the boxes, you gotta get the GPA you got to, you got to be a part of the clubs. You got to do the sports. And then you go to college and like, that's going to fulfill you. Yeah. And like being respectful to your teachers, even though it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, do I respect these people? Like, do I want to be like these people? Are they modeling life for me? And, um, and so like, yeah, there's a lot of rebellion in high school because like, like i said like eighth grade like changed i i became super chill but also like just i don't know if it was like this preemptive like i just sort of gave up i don't ever remember choosing that but i remember just like high school man i just didn't have a. I couldn't care like i couldn't yeah i couldn't force myself to like play the game i had this sense like it wasn't gonna give me what I wanted and everybody was dumb for thinking that it would you know and part of that was right but part of that was just stupid you know like like I still believe it's not gonna fulfill me but like what just caring about your life feels so much better than not you know like even if even if high school is just totally stupid in so many ways and this you know this is just my hyperbolic words like caring about your experience still is always going to beat out not giving a damn, you know? Yeah. Because there's there's a way to not care that is thoughtful, but there's a way that to not care that's just completely destructive. And that was what I found, right? It was like, uh, I was like deeply searching. I was deeply restless. But like I didn't care enough to like actually search that out in a real way and so i was just like whatever there's nothing here for me so i'm just gonna not care because everything's everything's dumb and clearly i know better because i'm a 14 year old you know so yeah does that kind of answer it i mean it's it's so hard to describe like you know because man it's like talk about just this incredibly deep desire for something for anything honestly yeah um and just never never really getting
0: i'm glad i asked because if we just get the review of high school as um friendships and bad relationships and substance abuse and not much studying um like that doesn't actually tell me a whole lot like it's just it's just an expression of of something right yeah for sure if if we get to a restless heart that Deeply and intensely wants to be filled. Mm-hmm. Like that's the same as the person who's studying their ass off every day, trying to get all the grades and go to college. For sure. Like that, like that person that's like, I need to be filled. I'm going to try this method, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try mm-hmm. all the grades and all the college and career stuff. And it's also the same as the saint who is like Saint Augustine is saying my heart is restless until it rests in you mm-hmm. and so I think that that part's fascinating because when you just look at the expression like you, you don't actually know much about the person That's
1: um, true that's a good point
0: but if you start to see that restless deep heart I think that's actually where Christian mission starts <laughs> like i'm absolutely. not i'm not a missionary to stop you from doing substances i'm like i want to be on mission to help
1: you have your heart find its fulfillment right absolutely no and that's yeah well that's what it's about you know like it i always say like um i'm sure you say something similar like especially when it comes to like substance use or addiction many kind of any kind just just knowing about addictions and all different kinds in my own experience right and then, like that's what it's about for me it's like it and i say it's like we can approach it from like we can approach the good from the place of like a double negative or we can approach it from like a true positive and what i mean by that is like substance use mission can be like we're gonna do all we can to not do the bad thing yeah you know like absence yep. not that absence is just that but it's like we're going to white knuckle it don't do the thing that you know is bad yeah or there's a way to approach it like no we want to like we want you to experience the full good and not yeah. just because you know like a ne- double negative is a positive but like not doing the bad thing is not the same as experiencing the good yeah. you know um and that's you know that's part of what yeah. addiction is like this deep yearning for something, having it being filled in just the worst ways possible, the most chaotic, yeah, the worst ways possible, you know. And something that I've just noticed in my
0: own life is when I'm the happiest, sin does isn't even tempting. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if I'm super happy, I'm not tempted to sin. It's when I'm not happy that I'm like I need for to sure. fill this somehow. For um, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I think there's like something really respectable and honest about saying, Hey, I'm not buying into your bullshit high school lie of saying these grades are going to fill me. I know, I know kind of my depths enough to know mm-hmm. that that's, that's wrong and to then not buy in, not play the game. I actually really respect that. It's
1: like, what do you do with it after that? And that's hard for a fourteen-year-old to figure out. That's the thing, you know. Like it, it it sounds great, and that that feels good to hear. But it was not ordered. You know what I mean? Like, given to an ordered soul, like that can be great. But given to my disordered, just battered soul, like it wasn't what it it was. It was exactly what I needed, and not at all what I needed. You know, like I got let in on the secret like too early and nobody was there to teach me how to live that life, you know? And and I should say like faith life was always a part of my life. Like that again, right. Like, so that was like a, again, I, I hate to like only see faith as a protective factor. Like I don't, but if we're going to use kind of that jargon, like it was definitely something in my life that like kept me grounded and, and, and helped me process. And, um, but I think, yeah, like, was still not the most ordered um and was lived out for me and and sort of um like shown to me as a way to be in a really good way in some ways but also still like again i wouldn't say it was very grounded and so like high school i think is like when a lot of that sort of dissipated not that i like the lord was always working in my heart Thankfully, like i always felt the holy spirit like in me. you know like again the lord doesn't he He doesn't break a a bruised reed, you know, thankfully, and he mm-hmm. he doesn't snuff out just the tiniest little red ember that I had. But you know it wasn't a lived out faith when you're not living your faith like it 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 dies and so yeah. and so like it, I did and so back to just like having it be disordered, like I didn't make it into like a place of encounter, right? It was just a place of like it was still a place of empty yeah you know, like where where an ordered person fills that or becomes filled, right? Like my walls were still up, and so like I didn't actually make room yeah. for the Lord to fill me in, in that way. And so, yeah, it was just chaotic. And, but so if you could pick out maybe one or two
0: or three kind of key moments in your high school, your whole high
1: school career what what would they be that's a great question oh my goodness um yeah you know like i don't know i've never thought of that but um probably two like two key moments that were almost like bookends really um were had to probably do with like breakups honestly um with two different relationships, one, um, yeah, and I, we don't have to necessarily go maybe into all the details, um, depending on what you want to know. But I would say, like, the, the two, yeah, like the like two breakups. Like one, I think, like I never really dated this girl, this first relationship, but like we were, you know, like we were basically dating. Like I think this was the first girl that I dated like in a in a real sense well not even in a real sense like sort of but like in an like in an actual way where like I was connected to this person and um just had a lot of feelings for her and um in a lot of unhealthy ways like right like I look now and just see like how yeah my attachment style (laughs) was was not was not prepped for that um But yeah, I remember when did, when did we sort of call it off, maybe it was sophomore year, I think it was going into the summer actually after freshman year, so like. Like we weren't officially dating, but it was like whatever was going on, we called it off, and I was like crushed man, I was like devastated, I think there was parts in like first semester of sophomore year we're just devastated right like because of just attachment style and and. It was kind of like that's that's like how, at least in the beginning, like I thought I was going to film myself, like just so much of myself given to this person and just so much feeling and so much emotion and weight behind this thing and just like crush. And so like, I think that was a pivotal moment just because one, like, not that I think like a breakup, like that has to be traumatic, but just like a pivotal moment of like, I'm not prepared for this thing. I have way too much invested in this thing and no foundation. And it was just like a life boom, you know, just like a punch, just like a punch to the the soul. And so like, after that is when I, because throughout the first years of my high school, I didn't engage in any like substance use at all. But I think like after that happened, it was kind of another, it was another moment of like, whatever, I don't care. You know and so that was pivotal because that's when i started just going deep dive down the substance use trend. not that addictions weren't part of my life before like i think sexual addiction was definitely a part of the way that i coped early on and that that could be like a whole nother podcast you know like dive into that but
0: like pornography you mean
1: yeah pornography and yeah just yeah um And just like very twisted sexuality from like early on like like early sexual experiences as a a child but then like yeah like discovering pornography at a really young age with a friend and then yeah just like all the things like you don't know are happening you know and just it was just a way that i you know like it was sensory it was like it felt good it was it was the way that sadly like i learned how to how to cope and so but substance use. So that, that was kind of a train that like a thread that just were always continually was going from like, from young, I don't even remember like when that first was, but it was young, you know, like those experiences. And then I think I, a friend showed me pornography when I was like in third grade, you know, uh-uh. and so, and, and bless his soul, you know, like he it's, I don't have any ill feelings towards him. I mean, definitely would like was a detriment to my life trajectory but you know like he was a kid and and he didn't know and but anyway so that's when i like substance use was huge right so it's like that's when i was like whatever i'm just gonna hang with friends we're gonna have a good time you know um and we're just gonna like drink and do drugs (laughs) um and so so that was just like that was going on all sophomore year like heavy substances i would say sophomore year into junior year um and and you'd say that was like stemming out of you had already
0: known that the the school thing was a not going to fulfill you that was a lie and then that relationship ending was the the thing you had invested in as an alternative as like this can fulfill me
1: maybe yeah like
0: yeah unknowingly right like
1: Yeah, Ah, this is this is gonna be it. And so then when that
0: ended, it was more of just like give it up. Like okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. When the interesting thing is right, like I alcohol use especially was a part of my life, like as a young kid, right? Like not me using, but like just like I knew like this was one of those things that's gonna cause pain, or has caused pain, and like I don't want that. Like I was pretty staunch, like in my early high school years, like, I just don't want this. I know this is going to be like, I know what this does. It wasn't like against it, but I, you know, like it just wasn't going to be part of my life. You know, like I would say like early on, my faith was still there. And like, I, I desperately wanted the Lord, like the Lord was always calling my heart. Um, and I just wasn't replying often, but like, yeah, it was just, again, it was just this, this, this another round of like, whatever. I'm just, I'm done caring yeah. and uh, you know I didn't even really think about the destructive nature and I was just like whatever and then it, the problem was like it's fun right it's just it's the same thing with like pornography or any other addictive compulsive behavior it's like oh this feels good and I enjoy this yeah. you know so it's not just like this is something I could do to try to fill the hole it's like no it actually tricks you into thinking like it's filling you up you know, and like with alcohol that's it's very symbolic in that way, right like you drink and it fills you, but it just it just erodes right like it just yeah. creates a deeper hole that you don't realize thankfully, like I didn't really go deep down the experimentation of drugs, like mostly mostly just marijuana, and there were some other psychoactive things we tried but, um thankfully like i I didn't not that we need to go into the details of all that but um and I, yeah i feel like i'm getting back into like i'm just throwing out points of things that happen but again so like bookend terrible relationship well not terrible like it just was it was unhealthy from an emotional place yeah exactly like, <laughs> like, nothing like physical ever happened so but fast forward substance use then new girlfriend junior year um started off great but then just again like then this like was all aspects of unhealthy like unhealthy emotionally unhealthy sexually like just way too emotionally invested in an unhealthy way like again deep feelings and care and love for this girl like i never doubted that i i had love for them you know and that gets that word gets gets thrown around a lot and so like i don't necessarily meet it in certain ways but just like but had a deep care, like just had a deep heart for people always, like, and really connected with people and like I think on like a soul level, at least try to. And, but then like, you know, like the floodgates opened of like sexual relationship and just awful, just like, you know, like just not treating, like when you treat someone like an object, even though I wasn't intending to, right, like, it just doesn't go well.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I think, uh, 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 just a tangent like i you know like you know modern life it's like having sex is treated like going to get fast food you know mm-hmm. but it's like i always say like if you treat somebody like a like a cheeseburger like you're gonna have a bad time because people aren't cheeseburgers you know like i didn't intentionally do this it was just my brokenness you know i'm like i'm not trying to make excuses but i just i did not treat this girl well um I like I thought I was and I tried but like just the emotional the sexual the objectification you know like and I th- I think honestly like 99.9 percent of high schoolers should not engage in relationships <laughs> like it's not that, that seems fair <laughs> it's just like don't do it like it's not it's not worth it. um and so just yeah like I just just a lot of mistakes a lot of just hurt not treating a person well, you know, and just like, but there was still like love there in ways. And we and um thankfully the most loving thing she could ever do was like break up with me. Right. Like I was just on a trail of of just misery. And so that was like my my senior year going into that summer she broke up with me. So finally getting to the bookend. Um and um just a, a life-changing point in a good way, right? So like, I had no plans. I basically drank and smoked my way through high school, I had a terrible GPA, didn't really plan on going to school, didn't wanna to go to school, didn't care. My plan was to like, continue dating this girl and go to community college, because that was a great plan. Although that's necessarily a bad plan, but like, for me, it was a terrible plan. You know, I think at one point I debated, I was like, I think I might just start selling drugs. Like that's where I was at, you know, I was like, okay, great plan. Like great plan (laughs) that was gonna be, that was just gonna be great. I'm gonna continue dating my high school girlfriend. I'm gonna, who's still in high school. I'm gonna maybe take a class about psychology. I ironically, it was gonna be like a psychology class um, at the community college. And then maybe I'll start selling drugs seems like easy enough thing to get into (laughs) um but thankfully like you know she advocated for herself and she got out of a terrible relationship and but she was caring in that for me you know it wasn't like f you i'm out it was like yeah we need to be done with this this is not good you need to like move on with your life and yeah just so a lot of unseen love at the time and then And then I was just like broken again. It was like, here we are, you know, like shit. Here's all the ways I tried to fill myself again. And I've left like with my own just mess. And so what happened, And I was like, okay, I'm not going to stay in this town if I'm not dating this girl. Like it wasn't about going to community college. It wasn't about anything. I was like, I just wanted to be with this person. She, she ended it. And so I was like, I just freaking like talk about survival mode, it was like, I cannot stay in this place like I'm going to be selling drugs and probably dead on the streets in like a year. Yeah, like somehow, by the grace of God. uh, My brother at the time he was at uh, Lutheran College up in Mankato Bethany Lutheran College, Mankato Minnesota and for a while he was he was constantly trying to get me to come like I remember. know, to go back to my brother's relationship, like, you know, it's good for a little bit, but then, like, when he hit high school age, very tumultuous. Like, he was going through the same things I was as an older kid, and so, like, butting heads with my stepdad, like, their relationship was terrible, and he, you know, he had his own reasons to be angry and hurt, and so, yeah, I feel like when he was after high school, high school age, like after high school, like we did not. See eye to eye. I feel like we fought a lot, like to the point of like near violence. Um, and then he moved out for a while. I mean, which was good, but then he went to college. Like he got into college, and so it was life changing for him. And so I remember, like, I remember one time, like him calling me from college one time because he like missed me, you know. And that was like the weirdest thing. He's like, He's like, hey, bro, I just wanted to talk. Like, I miss you, man. I was like, what? Like, this is weird. Um. But then from then on, he was like trying to get me to go. And you know me, I was like, it was my great plans. I was like, no, nah, I got better things. Better. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know, college is dumb. I have nothing to study. I don't want to continue in school. At this time, I was like, I'm not going to like a Christian college. Like, That's going to do nothing. But again, like just that bookend was like, Boom like and I I even remember like when she broke up with me, like I remember driving home just devastated and uh and that just feels so weird to say like uh, like a high school breakup can be devastating, but again, for like for someone in my situation just primed for destruction, you know and so like but I remember like I remember praying in that moment like and I wouldn't say my faith life was strong or that I was living it out, but I remember, praying in that moment like just devastated like lord you gotta like take my hand and you gotta because i i don't know what to do like i got nothing Uh just on the drive back from like her house after she like ended it for real you know like i was grasping i was grasping i was like please no and and you know and just at that moment i yeah i just remember praying like i was um And I was just like, Lord, like, you have to, you got to take my hand. You got to, you got to show me where to go. But, and so from there, like, I was like, I cannot stay here. I got to figure something out. So I applied to Bethany somehow, like super late. Like it was like August (laughs) and I'm like applying to this college and miraculously, like, I don't know if the, if their admissions people just weren't on that month. (laughs) I don't know if they, they just like they had pity on me because i was my brother's brother um but i got in somehow um i was put on academic probation for the first semester i mean rightly so um but yeah like somehow got into college and so i i mean i was not ready for this you know like but moved my butt up to mankato minnesota to a (laughs) Really conservative, um, <laughs> faithful Lutheran college, and and yeah, I think that's when things started changing. You know, like um in so many different ways. Um, yeah, and so maybe I'll pause there because it, you know, like again, I, I I see what you mean. Like, I don't want to get lost in like all the details and like all the, the yeah. moments that happen. It's yeah. like. We we want that. You know, they're like juicy, but you know, they're really not that interesting. It's more about sort of the underlying journey that happens. So I don't know if you want to like reframe it or ask any more questions or because that was a lot. I threw a lot at you.
0: No, I think it's I think it's good. Um and for me, just keeping that framework of the heart that's hungry for Mm -hmm. fulfillment. It's so helpful to use that throughout um because each moment you're saying i need something i need something big to happen i need something to fill me and then you try something and it breaks and then you say okay i'm going to go deeper into this just having a good time lifestyle and then that breaks Mm -hmm. and like that it seems like brokenness and emptiness Primes us to really seek for something to fill us. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. and that that often that can be destructive because we seek for that in, in all these bad ways that with things that don't actually fulfill us. But what I've noticed too is that it seems like the Lord also needs our brokenness and emptiness
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that we're ready to seek him. Um, we're ready to even be desperate enough to say a prayer or mm-hmm. be desperate enough to go to college. That the, there's something in the way that the Lord uses desperation to bring us. For sure,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, re- I remember, I think it was C.S. Lewis, but I don't actually remember who, but they were saying that, that actually shows like god's humility that we choose all the other options and part of his humility is to give us no options
1: <laughs> and to <so> say like
0: <laughs> no pick me <laughs> like pick me um where we we are so broken and so desperate and he uses that moment to be like okay i'll be your last choice um mm-hmm. i'll be your desperate option
1: mm-hmm. know and it just yeah and it just and it just happens right like um and that's it's it's such a movement in the holy spirit right because like i i had no reason to pray in that moment i mean of course i did you know i had like the greatest of reasons yeah but i wasn't i wasn't like prepped in that moment to like pray like that wasn't gonna be the first thing like if anything i was prepped to like go on a like a bender you know and just like But I, yeah, I just remember it was like this deep moment of like, Lord, you know, somehow at the same time, like, Lord, I I know I've been so far away from you and I'm sorry, but I need you now, you know, like, yeah, will you, will you see me sort of in this, you know, will you guide me? Of course he does, right? Yeah. And what a beautiful prayer too.
0: And. I think, before we move on, just the other thing I wanted to say is, you said a few times that it seems silly to be so devastated by a high school relationship. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But I think there too, we just have to look at, we have to look at what the heart is trying to do. And so like if, if the heart has picked this thing as like, this is going to fulfill me. (laughs) And then it doesn't, like that's the thing that crumbles. Mm -hmm. I think whatever that is that's devastating okay I've talked with people who getting a c on in a class is the devastating thing Mm -hmm. because like you you say okay this is what's going to fulfill me this is the path that that I need to fill my heart which is so desperate to be filled and that right there is the sign that I'm not going to be fulfilled and so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think the devastation isn't so much like Oh yes, adult relationships are can be qualified for devastating, and kid relationships can't. And so true, <laughs> um, but it's what what yeah. qualifies that's it is point. really where you're investing your heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so seeing devastation, not so much as a folly, as like this heart that's really
1: seeking and was seeking there specifically. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's such a good way to put it. Cause yeah, it's like, you know, when your heart is attached to something, it's like all of your person yeah. is invested into this thing, you know, yeah. like you can feel it. It's like, it's just like, there's so much, yeah. there's so much energy and connection to something. And yeah, in the moment, like you get any sense of like, nope, this isn't it mm-hmm. it's just tragic, man because we're we're made to be invested that way it's actually like a it's it's
0: worse when we don't connect with anything on that level because we're made to be connected that deeply Mm -hmm. to god um Mm -hmm. and so it's built into us to invest our entire selves Mm -hmm. um and and so i think that can be helpful just when you're seeing others (laughs) like what are they so invested in even if it's like an ideology that's completely against your own or it's a high school relationship or it's a video game score or something that it's like we can stand back and scoff um because it's so clear to us that that's not fulfilling or that's not it but like to have tenderness towards the person who's in it you know Mm -hmm. who's who's taken that in a way as their idol Mm
1: -hmm. Um, for sure I
0: think that, that actually needs a lot of
1: tenderness and mercy you have the most gracious viewpoint on idolatry ever <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well i've never i've never formulated it that way but it's incredible i love it i love it it's, <laughs> and it, it just it, it just feels so true you know it's like intuit, intuitively like that we both know that to be so true you know what i mean it's like that's so it it's just like you know and like you said like um it's interesting because it's like like everything i realized like like aristotle's idea of like not just virtue being in like the mean like every whether it's emotions or yeah like our heart like everything happens the goodness of a thing is always within the mean right because like even even the idea of like the heart wanting to invest all of itself into something right on one extreme can be like you're totally invested in a very disordered way where it's chaotic or you can be someone who like is just guarding their heart completely yeah and like maybe is like using like their mind or logic or just like as like a as a wall there's this beautiful middle ground where you can you can put all of yourself in, but also guard your heart in a healthy way. Now, of course, with God, like we, like we, the beautiful thing about God is we don't have to guard our hearts because we're never going to actually be disappointed. You know, like it's never going to fall short. It's never going to, um, devastate us, but with everything else, like, you know, like there's, there's this guarding function that happens, but there's also like this total investment, you know, but it, but you go to the extremes and it's, it's chaotic or it's suppressive, you know, it's yeah. suppressive. And so it's, yeah. I mean, I love that formulation, you know, like I hadn't thought about it in that way, but it, it helps me think of others searching after something and in, in such a more compassionate way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I know. This is yeah, like there's a, a super lot. interesting conversation for me, so I, <laughs> I can know. just keep going. But I want to, I want to get back to your life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, do this huge move. Yep. Out of your hometown, which has been your hometown forever, out of your social circles, out of everything, into this college atmosphere.
1: Yeah. What's that like? It was tough. It was tough. It was um, just the idea of someone going to college who maybe in one sense, right? Like I, this is where I know some of this sense is like, is um, very much influenced by the nonsense of the school system and what they tell you, but like someone who in one sense has no real business being in college, who doesn't yeah. desire it, who hasn't thought much about it, doesn't really have a plan. Like it, it's not good for someone to just jump into something like that necessarily, right? Like, Yeah, Of course, I think it worked out with me. Again, there was a lot of grace. Like, it's all grace. Um, But, yeah, I was like, I didn't really want to be there. Honestly, the only reason I went, two reasons I went, get the hell out of Watertown and um, to play soccer with my brother because he was playing on the team at the time. I was like, Uh all right, I'll get out of here. I'll be able to hang with my brother and play soccer at a collegiate level and uh yeah and that's you know like not a great reason to make a massive life transition <laughs> not not, <laughs> not great reasons um right okay. like again so just let me say yeah. like, so i have that moment that, of that uh, that conversion maybe you could call it that conversion yeah. back to god but then what do i do immediately you know this is like immediately i i'm grasping i'm striving i'm like I know what's going to fill me getting out of Watertown and playing soccer with my brother. You know, it's yeah. like that same thing. The Lord provides. And what do I do? I just like turn my back on him. I just totally go to the same nonsense, you know, like I, it's the woman at the well. I i keep going back to that same. Well, you know, um, thankfully like this, this place is a place that like loves the faith, loves the Lord. Like, takes those things seriously, and gives you opportunities to like pursue Christ right and to um to, to be real with it and so like thankfully that was there but like going into it like I was not prepped again and I was and mm. I was searching for all the same crap that I was before you know yeah so, so how how did faith start to enter the picture and really yeah like sure it, it's it's you know it's it's so hard like I I don't know if it's just the way I experience life or, or the way I remember things, but I, I don't, there doesn't seem to be one moment with me. Um, not that there has to be, you're not necessarily asking that, but like, yeah. So, you know, I was almost going to leave, I think, after first semester. Cause I was like, the funny thing is my brother quit soccer <laughs> when I came. So he was like, Hey bro, sorry, but I'm quitting. I'm trying <laughs> to pursue my studies. And I was like, you a-hole. <laughs> uh and i i wasn't really having a great time but then like then i really started meeting people in the soccer team and getting close and having a, good, a community and um but i think like it was this weird you know, like <clears throat> i think i think part of it the scaffolding i guess we want to say that or like i like this idea of, um know, i'll probably butcher it but like Eastern Orthodoxy has this idea of like what it calls the phronema. Like this, the phronema is like the lived out faith of the church. Like how it lives out its faith day to day. How it engages in the liturgical life day to day. Like like making the faith real in your life. Yeah. You know, it's not like this is abstract. Like this is what we believe. This is the faith. It's like this idea of like how am I engaging with the faith where it's continually building me up. And it's like a reality in my life Yeah, and it shapes everything. And so like, it was that, it was like, it wasn't just like I was studying things. So we had to take religious classes. It wasn't just that I was studying. It wasn't just that I like knew I believed these things. It was like, I went, I started to go to chapel every day. Like, you know, like I had community around me Who were actually faithful like who cared about Christ like who wanted to live the life, you know, and we can we can talk about this um, as it comes up, but like. The branch of Lutheranism I was in and Lutheranism in general is very sacramental, you know, like I had like these visible tangible places where I was encountering Christ, whether they were like the sacraments whether I was like my studies whether it was friends, right? And um, and so the idea of like the fronina, like the lived out experience of the faith in all facets of life as a way to teach the faith and live the faith was yeah. present there, you know? So it, it's like, um, it was that, it was just like just encountering the Lord really and, and, and to be fair, like Bethany is a bit of a bubble, but it's like a, it's like a good bubble, you know, like, um, and so it was just that it was like, you know, I was still like not healthy in so many ways, but that was like, the Lord really was like, he was encountering me, you know, he was like, like, you're going to do this for real. Like, this is real, you know? And, um, I think part of what helped a lot of healing too, is like, I learned that I actually love to learn and I actually could learn like, so like my first couple of semesters were bad, you know, like they were just like, cause I just wasn't, I wasn't there. It was like, it was brain fog again. Um, but when I, when I found out like, Hey, I'm not dumb education can be life-giving. Like, Hey, like, but actually does this, this is actually like touching my desire. This is touching my heart. Um, because it was like liberal arts education and so like it was i think it was just really fruitful in so many different ways and like you know like it, it just touched a lot of different portions of my being yeah. um and then i found like i really i really liked philosophy and i really liked theology like <clears throat> it's just how my mind saw the world and how i in what connected with me and and i look back even in even in grade school like my best subjects were like always religion like theology and like english right or um like more of more of the poetic sort of abstract um and not that like theology can become very concrete and um very systematic but it was like it was just like, yeah, like learning that like my, my mind and my heart can actually connect with something in relation to school was very, um, and just, yeah, just encountering good role models. there, like father figures in a way too, right? Like, um, and so it was just, all this was happening, right? Like, and the Lord was just mending my heart and my soul in, in ways that Like, obviously I couldn't have done on my own, but I think that idea, just that lived out experience, you know, like I wasn't just like studying about Christ. Like I was really living and it's so important. Like, how are you going to, how are you going to sort of make the faith real in your life? Like, is it going to transform reality? You know, Um, and Christ does that, you know, that's what he does. And so, yeah, I mean, I could say so much more, but I want to give you time to just to say stuff, reflect. Yeah, that's beautiful to just be
0: as like, it sounds like osmosis where it's just like you're in the environment. That's good for you.
1: Yeah. And then that works on your heart. Yeah, for sure. And that's that idea, that idea of fronima, right? Like in the, the orthodox sense, it's like, it's that it's like, it's the the faith by osmosis it's it's not the faith by like catechism class yeah not that's that's not important but it's like what's the best way to like learn and and know the faith like to live it right to like have everything all the reality like be sort of injected with it Uh and so yeah it was total osmosis you know it was was awesome it was great and when
0: Um, i Love about this, just thinking about really the Lord working in it is how gently He was working. Yeah. Like that, that's really amazing. And coming from a lot of brokenness and confusion and chaos and yeah, to this
1: place where it's just like gentle healing. Um, it was very gentle. Yeah. Beautiful. I was still, I was still trying to like full speed ahead. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. He just so many little things he would put in my life. Yeah. And that most of the time I wasn't even really recognizing, but like, he was so gentle. You know, like, just really loving me and just like, just sort of settling my heart. Yeah. Um, that was so good. It was so good. <laughs> and I, like,
0: I don't know. I I'm I'm just noticing my own kind of bias in like. I can often be really attracted to these big conversion stories of like there's kind of like this abrupt wow like power move um by God but to hear like when your life has already been disrupted so much like by these big events to to see that his method this time is gentleness like just gentle tiny yeah. building and healing um for sure I just love to see how like
1: he works with the person he knows, you know. Um, because mm-hmm. well, that's the thing. Like I the faith my faith was always there, you know, like, mm-hmm. like my my grandparents' faith was always really strong. My grandma was like, and she still is just a rock, you know, she's like a serious German Lutheran, like she takes it seriously. She loves the Lord, she she lives for the faith. Um and really just like is has no mercy on like if we're just going to not do that you know It was like come to church with me you know or like like no like this is this is serious like you don't this isn't something you just like you just decide about you know and and my mom was always faithful too like in her journey i mean her journey was very chaotic and and we were in we were at like a parochial school so like it was not that that's like the end all be all, but it certainly is really helpful. Right. Again, it's about scaffolding. It's about osmosis. And, um, and so the Lord was always there, like very much. So I think when I was in grade school, like, like I wanted to be a pastor when I was younger. I remember that. I just wanted to be a missionary for the Lord and, and really just connecting with religion. Like that was the only thing I really cared about in school. Like nothing else is really interesting. Um, but then sort of how that quieted or I quieted it myself. I sort of stamped it down and, and it just like, uh, I just didn't live it, you know, like I didn't live it in high school and it, it wasn't around. Like, again, I, I distinctly remember moments of the Holy spirit. Like my conscience was still there, even though I didn't listen to it. Like, yeah, the Lord was still there calling. me, And I, I just, you know, and it was very, it was, the coal was still burning. And so, yeah, like, just the way you put it is so beautiful because I haven't even seen it in that way you know it's almost as if like it's been really it's been like rainy or it's it's been really cold and let's say you're out in the woods and like how gentle you are with like the smallest ember that's gonna like start the your fire you know like Mm -hmm. just how careful we are like when we know like this is like this is gonna be something and I have to care for it and I have to know how to work it well um, and it's like, that's what, it wasn't like, I'm a Christian now. Yeah. It was like the Lord slowly bringing me back like an yeah. ember, you know? And yeah. and, um, and again, there's, there's dips after the college experience, like a big dip, but the same thing, like um, another conversion, but it, a bigger conversion in some ways. But like, I think the same, the same method, like yeah. it was never like, Atheism to loving the Lord. It was just like, yeah, just the Lord constantly having to come back to the little pathetic ember and just, yeah, and just love on it and bring it back, you know.
0: That's beautiful. So, how did Catholicism come into the picture? I know I'm yeah. probably skipping quite
1: a bit, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, because I was, I, Prepped to be a Lutheran pastor. And then I actually went to seminary for a semester. So, like, so the Lord restored that desire in my heart to serve him in a very radical way. And um, long story short, I just didn't prep myself. I wasn't ready. Still had a lot of brokenness and and I just wasn't where I should have been. But um <clears throat> yeah, so I fast forward a ton of years. Um yeah it's just so crazy. Like it's, it's just without sort of being like, oh, Catholicism was always in my life. Like, I think like the searcher was always there and I don't think I ever really felt fully stable in Lutheranism. If that makes sense. Not that I like, not that I understood the complexities or I really, like, somehow knew that Lutheranism wasn't the fullness of truth, I guess, if you can call it that, but, like, I don't know, like, I there, the restlessness was always there, the, the searching, the questioning, like, in good ways, in some ways, and bad, but, yeah, I just, I just always remember just being confused by a lot in Lutheranism, things that didn't really seem to make sense, or things, at least, that didn't, like, speak to my heart, you know, like, things I just didn't They weren't intuitively true to me, you know, like that that sense of poetic knowledge, like it just like it didn't grasp my heart, like and and we don't have we don't have to get into all of that necessarily, but like I I think in a lot of ways I was prepped, like I was I was prepped for Catholicism, like I always had like you know in in the confessional Lutheran churches, which is like a you know that's an important. Word for the group of Lutheranism that I was in, like confessional Lutheranism, like conservative liturgical sacramental, right? And um I always had a love for the Eucharist, right? Like in the confessional Lutheran church, you know, we believe that it was the it was the true the true presence was there, and so like I always had a love for the Eucharist and really like took it seriously, um, and even would do like. I remember, like, in my, in my college years, like, starting to fast, like, in a, in a real way. Because, like, the thing about Lutheranism is, like, the fronima, like, isn't there, you know, it's, like, it's devoid of, like, this lived out real way, like, this tangible way. You know, they have all the confessions, they have all these statements of faith, they have all the theology, but, like, it never felt like, it impregnated the world that i lived in in a real way you know like yeah. and so like i just remember I, I it was just a movement of the holy spirit like i was just like i'm gonna start fasting in in college like like we had we had vespers on wednesday nights and i remember i don't know why but i would just i would do a 24-hour fast and then i would i would go to vespers and then i would break the fast in the morning and then and wow. then i even even like it even like years before I was like considering Catholicism. Like I remember, like it it felt right to me to like fast before communion. Like for some reason, it was just like it feels yeah. right to like to fast. Not that I was like, like I I'm not a breakfast person anyways. But it just like it was even like you know I had thoughts like should I fast like the night before? Certainly, there should be some sort of fasting beforehand. And just like questions about unity that I always had, like, why are there so many different churches, like, sort of always doubting, like, how do we know this Martin Luther guy is like, yeah. right, you know. Um, But then fast forward, like in the, into seminary, like, that was very formative in my faith. And that like, one, I sort of like realized at least now, like the pastoral life wasn't for me, wasn't ready for that. But then like, you know, like you, you hit Lutheran theology hard when you go to seminary, like it was, it was tough, like seminary is, is brutal, like it's, it's hard and, and you really deep, you you deep dive right and, and I was just like, there were just things you know like and I was asked to like, you know, like to confess that the Lutheran confessions were the, the highest form of truth right and to. To confess to, to deny their faithfulness to scripture and to the faith is like, you know, it's like they would call it heresy in the highest form, right? But like, you know, like the average person won't call that heresy. Like the average person is like, you know, like faith in Christ is what matters. But like, you know, I was meant to like to sort of hold true these confessions and to sort of yeah. take an oath about them. And I just couldn't, like, I couldn't really do that, like, because I didn't believe that, you know, like, and I, like, I, you know, and, like, I think there are a lot of Lutheran pastors that, like, aren't believing everything their synod holds to necessarily. or um, And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad or wrong, but, like, you know, it's just interesting. It's, like, why take the oaths if yeah. you um and so, yeah, just a lot of, like, theological things and um, just, I don't know, just not being inspired, like, you know, like like kind of asking myself like this is it like this is all we have to offer yeah this is as exciting as theology gets this is as exciting as the faith gets like it just didn't like it didn't it didn't call out my heart and i get where like that can be dangerous like you know like someone could say that about certain things and like totally be off right like like yeah oh it didn't call out to my heart so I decided to like separate from my wife, you know, like I would say, you know what I mean, like not to be harsh and everybody really has their experiences, but like, that'd be a way where it's like, okay, like, yeah, there's a movement out of your heart, but that's not, it's not always something you should listen to, but I I, I like felt like this is a real movement and there's something, yeah. I, I want more than this, but, but I couldn't like figure out what that was, you know? And uh, And again, like left seminary, thought that's what I was going to do and there's another moment of like you know see ya um you thought you were going to be filled and and now you're just asking more questions right and, and now like what the hell are you going to do with your life because you didn't have a plan outside of this yeah so then just more tumultuous time went to grad school was still like faithful and like going to church still had a love for the Eucharist but I was just kind of floating like it felt like I was in the desert just wandering the desert for so long um and I remember when my when the ember started kicked on again like like still a lot of questions about Lutheranism that didn't really make sense and really sort of having a Catholic understanding of justification and sanctification I like that was always something like, I just didn't get. And, but, and when I would sort of voice what I thought about it, I now realize it was basically the Catholic justification, (laughs) you know, like, but like, I remember like, and you met them, like Brock and Adriana, like when they, when they were getting married, I remember just having this, uh, this, this conversion experience again, like the Lord calling back out to me. Cause like they're, um, you know, they're sort of part of a sort of like, I guess, more like reformed type style Christianity. Um, And uh, Adriana, who just has a love for the Lord, just has a heart for the Lord. She was part of this like mission um, group. I think it was like YWAM, like youth with a mission or something. And so she met like all these people like on mission who from like all different denominations. Um, and they all came to her wedding, so she had like this massive, like, missionary friend, all these people on fire for the Lord, you know, kind of from again from the like reformed, sort of like charismatic side of like Protestantism. And uh, I just remember like encountering these people and feeling very awkward because I was like just so much raised in the Stoic, um, German. This sort of pietistic Norwegian Lutheranism, and so like just not connecting, but just being so like awestruck by their faith, like how their faith felt so much real. And again, like there's so there's so many faithful, real, true Christians in in Lutheranism, right? Like, so I don't want to frame it like that, but like it just felt so much more alive. Like it was it was tangible. You know, like I remember um yeah just having conversations with them but I remember like after the wedding I was like taking some friends back to the airport for after the wedding and uh, I remember we stopped in this coffee shop outside in like Cocado Minnesota we were just having coffee um I remember we laughed and I remember feeling so awkward but also so like so like awestruck I remember we were at this coffee shop and we were out getting ready to leave in the car. And one of the people were like, I think we should go pray for that girl inside. Like, she looked like she needed prayer. Should we go in and talk with her and then like pray with her? Like, they were going to go up to her physically, talk with her, and then like pray for her in there. And I was like, I think I'm just going to stay out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I was like, I was That's again, terrible. I was like embarrassed and sort of scandalized, but also like, I want that like why why would i stay outside why why wouldn't i go pray for this girl like how am i not seeing people in that light like how is the spirit not moving in me like this and really just yeah like having that be like a pivotal moment of like like i didn't necessarily want to leave lutheranism because the sacramentality was real for me like whether or not i was going to be lutheran or not i was going to have the sacraments like i was going to be in a place where christ was present in the eucharist right like i knew that for sure like i could never see myself leaving lutheranism but it was like yeah. catholicism or bust you know <laughs> but catholics are crazy and they believe too much crazy stuff so it's <laughs> like i'm probably just going to be lutheran you know um i remember that moment like wow like i want something deeper lord like i Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is like at this time like so I finished grad school I was living up in Minneapolis area and I decided to take an internship back in Mankato and Mankato became like a place of deep hurt and kind of like chaos again like prior to when I left um, like after seminary just like a lot of just again digging myself into holes and just deeply desiring something and having no idea what that is and so i i moved i was moving back to mankato so actually like i had all my stuff packed and basically i was taking these people back to the airport and then i was moving down to mankato um and like there there there's this deep prayerful experience again and i'm realizing it was like in a car it was in um it was like during a Great transitional period in my life, and I remember that moment of like dropping them off and just thinking like I want more, like, but I want your spirit to like lead me in a way that's real and deep, and I'm I'm done sort of like going through the motions, like I don't want to do them. Yeah, Um, I remember, so I dropped them off and I was going down to the Mankato area, and I remember the the song by the Black Keys called "Go" came on and it was like it was one of the most powerful experiences i've ever had
0: hmm.
1: not that like you know like it's just, it's just like god can use whatever he wants to see yeah. into our hearts you know and so like it's just this line you got to go it's just i can just hear now you got to go <laughs> go and i was just like i think i i think i listened to it for like 2 hours straight <laughs> i felt this like deep this deep like solace in the Lord that like because I was like on the fence I was like I'm going back to Mankato like I don't know I really loved loved my time in in Minneapolis like I didn't really want to leave but like I needed to do an internship for my program and that's where my connections were and I could you know like I had a place to stay I was I had got it I was got an RA job or an R uh, resident manager job at Bethany so I had a free place to stay it was like all this stuff was lining up, but I was like, I don't feel good about this. Like yeah. in some sense, like there was nothing there for me, you know? Um, but that this song came on post like this conversion of like the Holy spirit, really just like working in my heart and like, Lord, like, I just, I want something deeper. I want something more. And that song comes on and I just felt this, this solace of like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I got to go i gotta go and so like yeah i mean how much time we got i gotta i probably got to go. and there might have to be a part two but because uh, <laughs> there's just so much more like and so like <clears throat> i get this job and then i am in this internship and yeah and then so i meet my now wife back at school and and the crazy thing is like i already met her right so she when I was a senior in high school, my wife was a PSEO student. So like a high school student taking college classes. So I think she was like 17 when I first met her. So I was a senior, 22, maybe like on my way out. She was like coming in as this little baby, 17 years old. <laughs> And I had this geography class with her. And I remember even doing a project with her. And it's weird to say, like, I don't even say it to just like say it, but I remember at the time, like, because I, I didn't date at all throughout college. A deeply wanting connection yeah. there, but but also feeling like I needed to do a lot of healing. I didn't say that explicitly to myself, but I definitely guarded my heart. Um and I think a lot of healthy ways, a lot of unhealthy ways, regardless. Like I remember meeting her in it was just introductions. It was like go around the class and say your name and say something interesting about yourself. And I remember little 17 year old Olivia, who I had no business to like care about her. But I remember there was something about her. I just remember this connection, like, wow, there's something about this girl. I subsequently found out she was 17. And I was like, oh gosh, like, <laughs> but I had this project with her. And, um, and so I like got to know her a little bit and got to like be with her. But then like five years went by, I graduated, moved back to Watertown for a stint moved out to Minneapolis to go to grad school didn't speak a lick of a word to her you know I I think I would like follow what she was doing in life every once in a while like Facebook and things and still know like like there's something about that girl there's something mm-hmm. about that girl like and I couldn't even say it like and this is all real you know like it sounds kind of like cheesy and corny but it was real it was like I always had this this way to connect with somebody's heart like yeah. whether like the girls in high school like I never just I never just chose anybody. It was never like, Oh, this person seems cool. I always waited to like, have this deep, like my heart's moved towards this person. Then I think some of that is just who my, how my heart is. Some of that was really unhealthy, right? Like I think there's attachment styles within that. and But there was the same movement. I just had this movement about this girl that I knew nothing about that had 10 siblings. Hmm. um but i just knew there was something about her so didn't speak a lick of a word to her but sort of like i was friends with her on facebook and would like see things she was doing and just always like oh there's something about that girl and i come back for this internship um and i'm actually working i'm doing an internship at the college i was at um and she actually ended up going to bethany for her college um and she was working in, in the admissions department so like i came back and and she was there. And um, I just remember like going to lunch one day at the college and sitting down. And then she sat next to me. And we're like, oh, like, yeah. Like I pretended like I didn't remember, like, oh, yeah. You're like, you, we know each other, right? And I was like, oh, it's this girl. And she, you know, I could, that could be a whole podcast just about just like what life looked like with her. And, um, but of course, she was in very intensely um catholic in the best of ways and i was lutheran you know and it's like classic <laughs> um here we are you know like two serious people about their faith like what's gonna happen yeah you know? and um i think that's when catholicism entered my life in a very real way yeah you know like and just being confronted with like where's this gonna go how's this gonna work and yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll pause again, because I realize I've been tangenting for a, <laughs> a long time again. Um, and again, like I, I might have to go here in like 20-ish minutes to start to get ready for work, but um, we could still do a part two, because I think, again, there's, if you want, you know, but because there's yeah. so much to say, but I, I, you know, I don't have, I guess I shouldn't feel the the sense that I, that I need to, like everything needs to be said necessarily, but um you know, this is, this is what I'd love to talk about that faith aspect. And, yeah. and, um. So, yeah, so I meet her and she's really Catholic. I'm really Lutheran and, and that's when Catholicism, like I said, enters my life in a, like a real way, a big way.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And I, it,
0: I know that there's a lot more story here. Um Yeah. But we were short on time. I guess I want to just, check in on two things quickly if you yeah. can Um yeah. what's the big desire on your heart now with your life so you you've it's <laughs> a great you, question <laughs> you've been through like so many changes yeah. and shifts yeah. and now you're catholic you're married you're a working professional as a
1: therapist like what's what's like the desire on your heart yeah um i mean in a lot of ways, it's it's so much the same. Like I'm still so restless, um, but also very healed in a lot of ways, and very, be, uh, not very, but becoming more ordered. Right? Like, I think the more I learn to just give my restlessness up to the Lord, the more it becomes something that he can form rather than me feeling like I got to anxiously try to form it um but I you know still so restless um and I think some of that is like I said is is just who I am whether it's like a cross or whether it's just like how the Lord wants to use me for others you know um yeah but yeah, a lot of it is still like, yeah, there's just this deep searching. I I, I know like the, the, the beauty is like, I have my foundation. now, right? like it, I think what I'm searching for is just how can I be used? Like, you know, as you said, like I'm a therapist and I, and I love that work. And um, you know, it's a love hate relationship with it. Cause it's, it's so, it's so good to be able to share with people and love people. And just the ministry of presence but also like the work we can do the work that we get to share in in the healing work of Christ right um but at the same time it's like man it's, it can be so hard it can be so tough and and I have this desire to serve the Lord in more direct ways like like I guess I would call therapy indirect service to the Lord like it is direct but it's also kind of this you know it's not like we're like proclaiming the faith you know yeah um so part, there's this There's part this of desire. you still wants to be a pastor yeah yeah like, yeah <laughs> i still have this desire for just radical work in the lord's kingdom and obviously from a you know from a catholic perspective like marriage is my vocation and it's it's a sacrament that i've been given and, it, and it's radical like right it, it it's not not radical and so like it's not that I'm like dissatisfied in, in my marriage and my vocation, right? Like the Lord is, oh my gosh. I mean, my wife is just this greatest gift blessing. Um, when I have the eyes to see it and I'm not just stuck in my own, just nonsense. (laughs) Um, and the Lord's just still working at my heart. And I think in this marriage, um, and in this time in my life, like, The Lord's inviting me now to just like learn to settle down, like just slow it down. Like again, there's like this deep love, like Lord, I I wanna like, yeah, I wanna be a pastor, you know, and um obviously I can't be a priest, um, at least in the Western, right? Like, right, like I um, and that's a whole other conversation of (laughs) like my sort of love and discovery of the Eastern faith and just like my desire to pursue that. Um, I I feel, I feel so full and I know that I'm being filled and being healed through this vocation. Um, But there's still like, right. Like I want to be radical for the Lord with my wife. And so like, yeah, there's this, this desire to work more directly for the Lord in a, in a faith way. And, but also not to give up on this. Like, I don't know. It's like you, you want to show love through healing when you've been healed right and so yeah. like i also recognize like i just need to slow down and just like let the lord bring things about in his timing and um so yeah i mean i i feel like i'm in the same place as i always was but the lord is healing me and i and i'm he's giving me the eyes to see it and he's giving me the heart his heart, so I don't have to be restless, right? And like just really, I think in this season of life, I can see he's really inviting me to just like slow down. Yeah. Um, you know, because like you know, the story is like conversion, uh, Catholic, I become Catholic, I get married, um, you know, in a sacramental, in a very sacramental way. I move up to the cities again to St. Paul with my wife. I I join a Catholic counseling. Agency, and then I joined the Catholic, the Master Studies Catholic program, and I'm like yeah. my heart's on fire. And so much of that was good, but it was like again, I think that was just grasping again, right? Yeah. It was like I need to be full, and the only way I can be full is if I'm pursuing the yeah. Lord in this way. Yeah, Lord, it's like you idiot, like don't you yeah. get it? <laughs> it's just like slow down. So I'm in yeah. this place now. I'm backing up from a lot of those things and just trying to learn to just silence my heart, you know? Yeah. yeah. I I feel like that's something that
0: I have to keep learning too, because I'm also have a radical bend in me. Um, But to trust that the Lord's gentleness is powerful. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that, like going back to what we're talking about with how he brought about healing, like that gentle, slow, Osmosis way. And like I want the radical, powerful, flashy way. Um for sure. Yeah. Okay, one more thing and then we'll wrap yeah,
1: up. For sure. Yeah.
0: So I want to just give you an opportunity to for anybody who could be listening, um, or might be told to listen because of this. What would you want to say to those people in high school that? are kind of sick of the, the school bullshit lie, but don't know what to do with themselves.
1: Yeah, man. Um, um, I mean, that's such a, that's such a big question. Um, first of all, like, caring about your life is so much more satisfying And it's like, obviously, right? But I see so many teens and I've worked with teens that just like, they do the same move I did. Like, just give up, give up, whatever. I don't care. I don't know. But you do know and you do care, right? Like, so like, listen to your heart and like, listen to the people who care about you. Even if it's like, just the teacher maybe. Maybe the whole school's done, but maybe there's a teacher. Maybe you have a parent in your life or a friend or a sibling. Or maybe it's it's your pastor, or maybe it's, you know, like, because you know, like you, you know you do care at a deep, deep level. And you know that you do know sort of what you want when you slow down and you're honest with yourself. To care about yourself, to care about your life, care about the things that you're doing. Like as stupid sometimes as as the high school just cookie cutter experience is, you don't have to do it the same as everybody else, but like care about your life. It's like, shoot, what else are you going to do if you're not in school as like a 14 year old? Like, I remember working with so many kids, like their plan was just to like, you're just going to not go to school and sit around and play video games. Like that's not going to fill you up. When you're going to like go get a job and start making money, like, trust me, that's like you're going to, life is going to hit you hard when you realize, like, oh yeah, like working and money sucks, you know, like if that's going to way you're going to approach it. And so, like, to just like deeply care about their lives. And I know it can be hard when maybe nobody's cared about you or shown you what that looks like, or you haven't been shown that your life matters, right? But you're deeply loved, right? And and your your life is, is worth it. And so to just hold on to those people where you where you find love and you find truth. And caring about your life just feels so much better than not than giving up. And sometimes it takes time. So just have patience. Like I always call myself like I was a definitely like a crock pot person, you know, like I was like, I was like a slow burn like <laughs> I got put in the crockpot and I was at low heat for like <laughs> 30 years you know? and I I know it's like that nobody wants to wait 30 years to be healed and to feel full but um, like sometimes that's what it takes right and so you don't like have to make it and you don't have to like live by the nonsense that's out there right like. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay.
0: So that's that's all the time we've got. Thank yeah. you for joining us, Joe. This was a pleasure. This was And awesome. we might have to do part two sometime. Um, yeah, let's do it. But, yeah. yeah. But thank you so much. And yeah, God bless.
1: God bless you. Good to see you, man.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Whole Human. If you would like to share your story, don't hesitate to reach out via email to wholehumanchallenge at gmail.com or on Instagram at wholehumanchallenge. Have an amazing day.